for the word of God. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horab, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why this bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign to you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The preparation for worship today came from an Anne Weems poem entitled, Holy Ground. In it she writes, I know that Moses took off his shoes because God told him he was standing on holy ground. What I don't know is when is the ground holy and when is it not? When do I take off my shoes? She asked some great questions and sparks many more. When is the ground holy? How do we know when to take off our shoes? Are those holy places only on mountaintops? Was the ground where those feet marched in Charlottesville holy? Were those who endured the flood?
flooding waters of Hurricane Harvey standing on holy ground? When was the last time you were standing on holy ground? In this fast-paced world filled with cell phones and every type of distraction imaginable, do we look around enough to recognize when we're on holy ground? Moses is going about an ordinary day, keeping the flock when he comes to Horeb, the mountain of God, and sees this bush that was blazing, yet was not consumed. I imagine Moses may have walked by that exact spot before, maybe on another ordinary day. He may have even passed by the burning bush without even noticing it. But this day, he didn't walk by unaffected. He looked around and saw the bush was on fire, but not consumed. Did you happen to see in Narthex today Mike Myers' beautiful painting entitled Holy Ground? When Mike heard I was preaching on this text, he mentioned his painting and his willingness to share it with me. God has given Mike such an amazing gift, which he so freely shares with all in our community. And I was grateful for the additional inspiration. This week, I actually kept the image up on my computer screen. So each time I went to work and reflect on the sermon, I saw it. And it helped deepen my reflections as I lived with this text. I encourage you to stop and enjoy it for yourself, but I'm going to attempt to describe it. The bush, it has these visible roots coming out of the bottom, which I admit was, was lost on me at first. Out of the roots come these vibrant colors that bring the painting to life. There's plenty of bright green for the leaves that have not been consumed, mixed in with the red and the yellow and the orange and the white and the blue of the flames. Some of these colors I would not have initially described as being in a flame, but as I gazed at the bush, I pictured myself by a campfire in Hakomi, watching all those colors dance about in the flames. The multitude of colors isn't surrounded by a black background, but instead a yellow and reddish-orange glow that radiates from the bush. Mike captures beautifully in this glow, recognizing that the bush's effect isn't limited to its own footprint, but instead affects the air that surrounds it. When Moses saw the bush burning, he said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. Once God saw that Moses had turned aside, then God spoke to him, saying simply, Moses, Moses. And Moses' response was also simple, but yet so powerful. Here I am. Moses doesn't recognize he is on holy ground until he is in conversation with God, until he is in relationship with God. Not until God calls his name and he responds does Moses recognize the need to take off his shoes, for he is on holy ground. Moses finally recognizes it is holy ground, but does he know why? Is it holy because the bush is burning? Is this visible miracle what makes it holy? 
I would say no. I believe the burning bush is only the visible miracle that gets Moses' attention, causing him to turn aside and walk towards the larger miracle. The burning bush is the presence of God. We keep asking what makes the ground holy, but it has nothing to do with the physical ground. What makes it holy is having eyes to see God's presence. What makes the ground holy is recognizing God is with us. We hear those words in God's response to Moses, doubting he should be the one to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He says, I will be with you. You will not be doing this alone. Recognize my presence with you. I am sending you. That I am the one with you. That you are already on holy ground. We will lead the Israelites out of Egypt. This week I was reading about the power in knowing another's name. And the power in hearing our own name spoken. Moses hears God call his name. And now Moses is asking God, what is your name? But did you notice how he asked? It sounds a lot like, well, I have this friend who asked me or wanted to know. Moses doesn't come straight out and say, I want to know your name, but instead ask how he should respond when they ask him, what is God's name? And the response God gives is really more of a sentence than an answer. God says, I am who I am. Can you picture Moses asking this indirect question? God giving this response and then Moses basically saying, what? What in the world does I am who I am mean? How am I to explain this to the Israelites? How am I to understand this for myself? In his book, The Divine Dance, Richard Rohr suggests this paraphrase of God's response. It's none of your business. You don't try to capture me by a name. Don't you try to contort me into a little box. I will be who I will be. Well, that is one way to interpret it. How would you paraphrase, I am who I am? Roar's response gave me pause for a moment. That first phrase, it's none of your business, implied a little bit too much attitude for me. The God I know is filled with compassion and love rather than attitude and power. So I found myself sitting on my back porch one morning writing my own paraphrase. It goes something like this. Do not worry about yourself. Do not worry yourself with this question, Moses. You are trying to understand me from a worldly perspective. You live in a world filled with black and white, a world telling you everything must be good or bad, a world where everything needs a name or a label. I am so much more than that. The fullness of my love and presence is much more than you can comprehend at this moment. As you walk this journey, please do not try to limit my love. I simply am. It is more than enough. And one day, you will understand. So to me, God is saying it is 
more important to know who I am and what I do than to know God's name. Our faith is much deeper than knowing God's name. It is about our relationship with God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I am who I am says to me, I am love, I am compassion, I am you, I am the other who is like you, and I am the other who is not like you. I am in all because I created all, and I am with you. At the close of this service, we will sing, I the Lord of sea and sky, otherwise known as here I am Lord. And this has been a favorite hymn of mine for many years. The stanzas represent the voice of God, and the refrain is the faithful response to God's call. In my church growing up, we sang this as an anthem on Youth Sunday, with the majority of the youth choir singing the standos from the chancel, and then the seniors singing the refrain from the balcony. Each year, it was emotional and powerful to hear this song sung in conversation, but I was amazed at how meaningful it was to be part of the voices in the balcony my senior year. It was one of those moments that you carry with you throughout life. And as I stood with the other seniors who were such a part of my faith journey to that point, I heard the question, whom shall I send? And then together, as a community and as individuals, we responded in unison, here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord. If you lead me, I will hold your people in my heart. When we are able to notice the burning bush, turn aside from what we are currently doing, and say, here I am, Lord. It is in those moments that we recognize the presence of God. It is through the conversation that we have eyes to see God is with us, that we are never alone. In that moment in the balcony, I was on holy ground. Not because the balcony is above the congregation on some type of a mountain, but because I had eyes to see God's presence. I believe all ground is holy when we have eyes to see it as such. How often do in our lives do we walk by a burning bush without noticing it, or maybe worse, walk by unaffected, refusing to turn aside from what we think we know. Each time this happens, we not only miss an opportunity to deepen our relationship with God, but we also miss an opportunity to reflect the light and love of Christ on others. When we recognize that what makes the ground holy is God's presence, we can see all ground as holy. Each time one human being chooses love over hate, they are standing on holy ground. Each time we reach out to another in Christ's name, we are standing on holy ground. Each time we sit and listen to another who is hurting, we are on holy ground. In each of these moments, we must be on holy ground because we are incapable of doing any of it on our own. 
As a result of the All Things Possible Capital Campaign, we have been surrounded by renovations here at church for over a year, starting here in the sanctuary and continuing through the office spaces that will begin later this month. One might ask, are you making all these renovations to make the ground more holy? Absolutely not. Much like the campaign was so much more than money. These renovations are about so much more than a building. It is in the conversations and the relationships that happen in this space that create the sacred space to recognize the ground as holy. These renovations help create a warm and welcoming space where relationships can deepen and connections with others and with God are made. We are on holy ground in this sanctuary, not because of the beautiful floor or the countless personal messages written on the concrete beneath, but because each of the words shared, hymns sung, and prayers lifted, are to worship God. We worship God who is with us on the mountains, in the valleys, and everywhere in between, because it is all holy. It wasn't until the end of the week that I even noticed the roots coming out of the bush in Mike's holy ground painting. I had been so focused on the burning bush, on, on being able to recognize God's presence, that I didn't have eyes to see the roots that connected the bush to the ground. I was forgetting my roots, the roots that run through the waters of baptism. The realization that I'm on holy ground only comes by the grace of God. The ground, the holy ground, is always a gift. And may we each have eyes to see and recognize the gifts that are around us each day.